Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you, my pretties, are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, the disembodied voice with the moist vagina, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Winfrey, yay! <clears throat> Uh, you were reaching on that. <laughs> I you know, made you words were clearly that reaching. <laughs> I allegedly uh, look at me. I'm I'm the Rock at the 1998 SummerSlam. Oh, the title! It's so out of reach. All right, uh, that's a thing. Then. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> I was dancing. You ever go to the club? You ever dance like a chipmunk? Look, we appreciate your Blue Meanie impression. Well, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I am not going to deprive the world of Mark doing the Blue Meanie dance. I'm just not going to do Want me to do like Crop Top too? So like Crop Top it? Moving on. That trouble on the internet. Moving on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, joining us for this particular episode because he requested that we review this this movie. So for those of you wondering, why, damn you, Hollywood? Why, Mark? Why, Robert? Why are you reviewing this smaller, more indie, pure drama film uh, where the crawdads sing? And well, because Jason Teasley said, hey, do this, and I want to talk about it. And Mark said, sure, I'm happy to fill up the schedule with whoever. And Jason said, oh, then we shall talk. And Jason said, I'm whoever. <laughs> and i am you know always i'm always uh i'm ride or die in that respect so you, you point <laughs> yeah. i'm there i i very much now need a, like a tattoo of robert winfrey this is ride or die hey look man that's me i uh, if you're with me if i'm with you then i am with you <clears throat> million you're with percent me? you're with me all the way to the end uh <laughs> probably Oh, great. Thanks. That's on At this point, that's on you. At this point, it's on you to do something to screw it up. Fair enough. Just soft phrase it like that. I, so, I would like to think that yours and my relationship will be the only one I don't screw up in this world. So speaking of screwed up relationships, Jason, why are we talking about where the crawdads sang? Because I actually like the groundswell that this got. My daughter read the book. Okay. Uh, I think that's what ready. I was looking for is like, how did you even come to this? Yeah, she read the book um and she you know she's being a you know in that tween age getting ready to turn 15 um she has taken up my wife's love of reading um and then i seen that uh reese witherspoon was attached to it and i was i was very intrigued uh so for my kid to actually sit down and read anything mm -hmm. has to be some pretty pretty good source material and she i think she read this book in like two and a half days wow so 
for she every time that I seen her, she had the book in her hand and was reading. So it kind of that kind of piqued my interest. And you know, I, she was gone to the beach. That's why she didn't go with me to see it. But yeah, this was just one of those movies that I was just drawn to. That is kind of outside of my wheelhouse, where you know it's typically action movie, you know, or horror movie. This is one of the ones that kind of intrigued me that was kind of outside my wheelhouse that I wanted to talk about. I saw it with my uh, my movie buddy. Uh, her name is Mia. <clears throat> when I don't go to see something with my kids, I usually go with Mia. I have since I met her a few months ago. And um, she was like, I like going to the movies with you because you're one of the few people I can actually like really talk about movies with. Like, you know your stuff. Um, you actually have like real opinions about things and you're a good person to engage with. And so <clears throat> we have a nice little movie buddy relationship. And I walked out of where the crawdad sing, and I looked at her and I'm like, Mia, I don't know what I'm going to talk about Tuesday. I mean, I guess it'll stretch my muscles as a reviewer because <clears throat> this is so far outside of what we've done. And I took a moment to reflect upon that because Robert and I have definitely spent some time over the last year and as well as some others, you, Jason, Sean Comer, Ronnie Adams, Alexis, we all kind of took turns with some of the more Oscar Beatty stuff, whether it was Mank or um, Nomadland or... Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Power of the Dog, etc. We <clears throat> we spent time dealing with stuff outside of the wheelhouse of what we normally talk about here, and so I've definitely had those opportunities to stretch those muscles. But this one put me to the test. Like <laughs> I walked out of where the crawdads sing, and I'm like, it's great. I don't know what I'm going to say about it now, and like, <clears throat> and I and I was glad that I had Mia there because we started to talk about the movie and as we talked about it i was like oh i can talk about that and robert I, I think it's kind of a fun place to start this discussion because i think you and i as liz will remind us can be a little oh what's the word critical uh negative <laughs> we, we um my poor son has heard us rip apart his favorite movies and he will often say to me, but father, I'm a child. I'm allowed to like these things. And I said, I don't disagree with you. But that doesn't mean me as a functioning adult male isn't going to recognize what's wrong with it and have to tell the world. Um, that, is our, that is our stuff. That is what we do. That is our pattern. And then along comes a movie that I don't have. It's not easy to tear apart and criticize. You know, last week we talked Thor, Love, and Thunder. And as much as I enjoyed the outing, it lended itself to a lot of criticism, and we tore it to pieces. Um, and then, I, and then we movie. get to, and then we get to <laughs> this one. And I think what I'm what I'm getting at here, and this is what I wanted your opinion on, is maybe sometimes you know you can review a movie, you can criticize a movie in the sense that you are being critic, you are giving it a critical analysis, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're tearing it apart or being negative. And this might be one of those times where we just say, you know, kind of like with the Northmen, where both of us heaped praise upon it, <clears throat> and we didn't really have a lot of negative things to say about it, and that was okay. It was okay to just like a movie, Robert. I've always known that it's okay to just like movies, Mark. We just don't usually review movies I like. <laughs> I think that it wasn't very important that you say that out loud to the people, Robert, who have <laughs> often gotten the wrong opinion of you. I know that. I know you. I love you. However, there are people who see Robert Winfrey coming and go, hide your movies and your children. He'll take them and bring them into his basement, and then they'll talk to a black phone. And it's like, no, Robert is fair. 
I just never give Robert the platform to be fair. So be fair to Flair, Robert. Uh, <laughs> fair to Flair. You don't want me to go down that road. <laughs> no, I want you to comment on criticism is uh, not always being uh, being negative. It's not, and it gets a bad rap because so many things. This is true historically. So many things that are popular have such glaring craft issues that that's all people hear when you say, when you talk about the movie. Right. So it takes an outsized portion of the conversation, relative, sometimes even relative to how bad it is in the sense of the movie. Like, you know, we took a, a we've done this multiple times. There's any number of uh, reviews we've done where you and I have said mostly like, most of the movie is positive. Here's our issues. And then we spend most of the review discussing the issues rather than, right. you know, because you can, you can only say on something's, it. I mean, you can say something's great. We do. Right. But that's kind of the end of the thought is right. It, 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 it's an entirely different skill set, And frankly, one that's a bit redundant. You know, just I say to, um... X is great. I tend as a framing model for criticism, say, this is the good, this is the bad, this is the ugly. Here's what I liked. Here's what doesn't work. Um, here's what I abjectly didn't like. And at least then I'm speaking to all three of those yeah. things. And depending on what we're doing and what we're talking about and how bad, good, or indifferent it is, will usually dictate how we handle it. You know, everything, everywhere, all at once, you and I heaped praise upon. And we talked about some of the elements of the minutes. movie yeah <laughs> we talked about some of the elements of the movie that may or may not have worked for one or both of us but for the most part we were we we just went back and forth about how great it was but that was the thing we were like this is why th th it wasn't just it's great it gave me a boner and i went home happy i we, we talked about performance we talked about craft elements but i think when i go when i go back and i listen to damn you hollywood and i talk to people who hear our show <laughs> Recently, uh, one of Melissa's friends asked me about our review show, and then he was like, I'm going to give this a chance, but if you guys are really negative, I don't want to listen to this anymore. And I was like, I... <laughs> well, I've got some bad news for you. Yeah, I've got some bad news for you, Steve. Here, okay, here's um, the shows you don't want to watch. Right. I, I, it's like, I love Jeff and his crew at the MCU's Bleeding Edge, but if you want someone to cheerlead the nerd stuff, <clears throat> there's plenty of that out there if you want someone to tell you why something is good we do that we just do a lot of stuff that isn't good is the problem yeah we well this was good i imagine if we did this more yeah this was i mean i, I just briefly then we'll move on to the film yeah. i imagine if we did this more in the style of like at the movies where every episode i mean we'd have to radically reformat the show but if we like if the ethos here and the format was, here's five movies that came out in the last 10 days. Right. And we're going to spend, you know, two minutes, you know, three to five minutes per film. We're going to go through all of them, move on from there. You'd get a lot more positivity in the aggregate because we'd be talking about enough, st so much stuff that we're going to find more positives. Because right. we do one movie, like here, spend two hours talking about this. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. And as we talk, we start, you and I and I'll include Jason in this too. And then I'll, I'm just going to jump right into a little bit of demographic information about this. Normally we don't have to do stuff like this. We just go, hey, it's the new Thor movie. Um, but this needs a little bit of background, but you know, but... 
sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll the Northman this uh, when we did the triple feature of the Oscar Beatty stuff. I, I wasn't quite sure what it was I was going to say about some of these. And I just kind of had to start talking to my friend. And then as friends, because we're all kind of on the same wavelength and we spend a majority of our time together discussing film and television, we have our language, we have our comfortability. And sometimes I'll just listen to you guys talk and go, oh, that pinged a thing with me. And I'll respond and we can have a good back and forth. And out of that back and forth comes a critical yeah. review. Go ahead. Yeah, we don't script these out, people. They'd be be they no, might be better if we did in some cases, but we are live <laughs> and we are improv. Yeah. Fuck it, we're doing it live. And All right, speaking of which, we're and calling it in much the like whose line is it? Much like whose line is it anyway? Everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> where the Crawdads Sing is a 2022 American coming of age mystery drama based on the 2018 novel of the same name by Delia Owens, directed by Olivia Newman. <clears throat> Olivia Newman. Um, this is her second feature film. The first one she wrote and directed was called First Match, uh, which was a 2018 American drama film um, based on the 2010 short film of the same name. Uh, and, it featured, and it was on Netflix sometime um, in the month of March. She's also done some television, Chicago Fire, FBI, and The Last Thing He Told Me. And she has a bunch of short films, Lucky Duck, The Runner, Storm Up the Sky, First, first Match, and Blue-Eyed Mary. So... This was this was a situation where they they grabbed like the indiest of indie directors, um, and the screenplay was written by Lucy Alabar. I feel and like this thing. Go. Go ahead. And it was produced. Say, I feel like they had multiple directors kind of attached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't know no, any better, there's, I there's a bit of a delay her. here. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, and this was produced by Romaine Witherspoon. Never letting that go. Never going to give it up. I'm never letting it go. <laughs> and uh, Lauren Neustadter. The film stars Daisy Edgar Jones, Taylor John Smith, Harris Dickinson, Michael Hyatt, Sterling Mesa Jr., and David Strathern. It was released July 15th uh, under Sony Pictures releasing under the Columbia Pictures. So it's not quite an indie. Um, it's a mainstream wide release picture. It's just one of the more like quieter Oscar. Yeah. yeah it's it's kind of on the fringe. Yeah. Um, and uh, before I say anything else, it was really um, it was scheduled to be released June 24th before being delayed to July, and then it was moved up the week to July 15th. And I I, I want to come back to this thought, but I'm just going to kind of throw it out there, and then you can get into the plot synopsis, Robert. What possessed them to re not wait until September when it's closer to Oscar season when your Oscar baby stuff tends to come out? What possessed them to release this in the middle of summer blockbuster season? Because who the fuck would see this? Like, I don't, I don't understand the releasing. You know, I'll, go ahead. I'll hop on it. I'll hop on it. Hand grenade. I think yeah, this was, I think because this is kind of a coming of age uh, movie. You're, you're going to see it. Um, typically, you're going to see it is in pairs. Uh, most like uh, a nice date movie, and you know you got that um, that underlying. Uh, romance, kind of like the Notebook did. Mm -hmm. um, so I, they really targeted to like you know basically the summer quote unquote summer love. Um, so the, you think the audience they were going for like like teenagers that are looking yeah. for a little, a little romance? Yeah, like you know because because in the summer, yeah, you've got these blockbusters and stuff, but you know 
if you can persuade a girl to go on a date with you as a teenager, you want to be able to cater to that audience. And I think that this is where this falls into because a lot of movies in the summer are summer blockbusters. You don't have that like really thought-provoking, really kind of couples-type movie to go through. And I think this is a vein that they're going for to actually cater to the more romantic side of audiences that aren't looking for big blockbusters and explosions constantly. I mean, there's an argument to be made there. Robert, um, I'm going to say this, then you talk and go right into the plot synopsis. Um, but I think there's an argument to be made for it can't all be popcorn movies. You got to have, there used to be a time, and I know this is the second, you know, the same refrain and the same song we've been singing for a year now. There used to be an array of pictures in the theater. Yes, some of them were bigger blockbusters, but there, you know, they, they used to be the mid tier picture, you know, $5 million, $10 million, a couple of stars, an original screenplay, no big deal, you know, it, it, ruthless people, you know, Ghostbusters. Uh. The old days. The old days, yeah. And so, you know, you had a drama, you had a comedy, you had a horror, you had a big budget thing, you had a sci-fi movie. There was something for everybody in the theater, and they all stayed around the same budget except for the one outlier. And now, because the movie the movie going has evolved into create uh, into happenings and events, um, a lot of the mid-tier stuff, as we have chronicled and said many, many times, take a drink, uh, is all gone straight to streaming. So... There may have been a thought amongst the Sony people of, hey, there's probably people out there like Mark and Robert and Mark's parents that are looking for something that isn't Thor, Love and Thunder. Why don't we put this in this? Let's throw this in the bed with Madonna and see if she sleeps with it. Let's put it out well, there and see how many people go. The answer to will it sleep with Madonna or will Madonna <laughs> sleep with it is inevitably yes. <laughs> we are we are definitely better people than Madonna. <laughs> All right, go ahead and do the plot. Uh, just very briefly on that, counter-programming's a thing. Mm. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, nothing else jumped up to take the week after Thor. Like, if there if there was another bigger budget kind of you know wide-release picture that was scheduled to come out this week, mm. they might have given more thought to pushing it back. When there's nothing, like, hey, people might want something tonally different from brain-dead stupidity. <laughs> So let's, let's appeal to them. And I don't know if this appealed to teenagers or not. I can tell you the group, I, the people around me when I saw this movie. And I saw it at 12.25 today. So take that for what it's worth on a Tuesday. Yeah. This seems like the kind of parent. This seems like, <clears throat> this seems like the kind of movie like my parents would go see. A lot of people, a lot of people your parents' age. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right. Yeah, there, there was a lot of that. So the plot for this movie, we follow a slightly fractured timeline. Uh, nominally, the plot follows our protagonist, Kaya, as she is put on trial for first-degree murder in the, what are we, the, like 1969? Uh, 63, I think. Oh, the I could have the trial was 69. Okay, stop. Um, she grew up in the north in the, during the fifties, uh, 1965 Kaya is drawn into a tryst by chase. Um, the police do not have a strong case at her trial in 1970. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. They found, okay. They found the body in like 
because uh, I remember the day they came. They found the body October 29th of 1969. So trial getting started in 1970 makes sense. Sure. Anyway, she's put on trial for first degree murder for killing this uh, guy in theory. There's not really any evidence to support the prosecution's case to the point where I question the jurisprudence of the judge even allowing a first-degree murder charge to be brought. That they carries a... They had circumstantial evidence enough to... The thing about getting a warrant, depending on your district and the people and the judges granting the warrant, it is, an, it is, it is a biased system. And, yeah. also, and I will go to something that I, that I heard someone say when I was a child protective investigator. The art of writing a shelter document is you can make anything a shelter, whether it warrants it or not. If you really want to shelter a child, you can write your document in such a way that a judge will grant you that shelter. Whether or not you need to shelter that child or not is rather immaterial. It's all in how you write it. The same thing goes for warrants. You write no, a no, warrant I, well enough, the judge will give it to you. I'm not opposed like I'm not opposed to her being arrested for the crime again. For me, it's just the first degree murder thing. That's mm -hmm. a hefty burden of proof you have like Oh, you're making the argument they probably shouldn't have gone for first-degree murder? Yeah. That, okay. that, like, that's my reason. Well, for those of you who don't know, first-degree murder requires premeditation. And you have to be able to prove premeditation. Right. If you can't, the entire thing falls apart. Even if you can prove they killed someone, if you can't prove they intended to do it, they thought about it, uh, and planned it out, okay. you lose. So Jason wants to jump in here with his legalese. Well, for one, they had you got to understand that this is backwoods uh, judiciary practices. Uh, she was very a very misunderstood girl that was isolated. So there was already preconceived notions that she did this and she was in a relationship with this guy for a time period. So that's so that's where that's where they got because they it was well known that they had something and then she found out that he was engaged. That's where the, they could jump to the premeditation, revenge, scorned lover type thing. That's why, you know, it goes without saying. But I, I think a lot of it is not only that is the the backwoods lawyers and the sheriff's department for a very misunderstood girl that they knew nothing about just the rumors and the tall tales and the fabrication stories of this swamp girl i get that i'm just saying this was bad legal practice all the way around and shame on all of them derpy I mean, db weighing in with where the cash grabs things aha <laughs> All right, continue your plot synopsis, sir. So, uh, with the un with the with her trial as kind of the framing device for her flashbacks about her childhood, we then get flashbacks to her childhood. She grows up uh, poor and in the marshlands of this stretch of North Carolina. Her father is an abusive drunk who drives her mother away, and then she's the youngest of I think six kids. Five, five kids. Five, five. Yeah, she's the youngest of five, and slowly, and not not slowly in the course of the movie. This happens rather quickly. Uh, the other five kids all leave. They're sick of being abused by their father. 
she stays because she's the youngest and as her support system slowly crumbles, she becomes more and more dependent on her alcoholic abusive father until he goes away. We don't know if he dies and that's never really, he's just gone. That's the way it's framed. So she starts having to try and fend for herself. This goes moderately successful to varying degrees of success. Uh, she strikes up a bit of a relationship uh, with a couple that runs a grocery store and gas station for boats. They're like her point of contact with larger society. She starts up a bit of a romance with a kid who uh, she grows up like she becomes a bit romantically involved with a kid named Tate who teaches her how to read and write and discovers her talent for drawing and for observations about the natural world. And he tries to encourage her to put together drawings and her observations and, hey, you can, you know, sell these and you don't have to <laughs> scrounge around for muscles every day and whatnot and rely on the charity of this nice couple that is kind of, you know, helping you out. And you then might not have to run from Child Protective Services because poor Mark out there in the backwaters of North Carolina going, I'm just <clears throat> trying to help you. Won't you come out and talk to me for five minutes? You cannot live here by yourself, child. That is not how the world works. It's immoral, don't you understand? <laughs> you know, uh, look, I know I know why you're being cheeky. <laughs> but can we, can we all agree that in any other circumstances without the contextual narrative of feel sorry for this girl who's pulling her up by her own bootstraps, you cannot leave a small child to fend for themselves anywhere in this world without parental supervision and that the social worker was in fact doing the right thing? Yeah, maybe. Okay, my nope, only, we're, we're not on. making an argument for dereliction here. Look, my only gripe with that, and this is my this is legitimately my only gripe with it. Okay. When he goes, you know, we've got such great group homes. I went, oh bullshit. <laughs> okay. Well, look, I'm not going to sit here and like, argue other... for the for the you know the uh, the strength of the group home. Believe me, I've I've seen a no, horrible. No, so uh, again, like that was my only gripe. Like him out there doing his job. I, I feel for the guy. Like, okay. Yes. And million percent. This is like the one of the worst situations to try and raise a child in as evidenced by what we're going to discuss yeah again she can't read she can't write she's barely like she has no social interactions with the majority of other people in this town that is like just a couple her, of miles her away cabin from her. has no electricity or heat or running water or running water you know what happens if you live in an apartment with no heat no running water no electricity <laughs> they take your fucking kids <laughs> sometimes and and usually All not long time. usually not long after the building is demoed. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, well, again, unless you're in Baltimore, in which case it's just business as usual. <laughs> this is how Baltimore, there is no such thing as electricity. They're still on, you know, candles. And there's at least one dead body in the <laughs> vacant what, house across the street. That's what they're using. Open. That's what they're using to have. That's what they're using to have warmth. They're, they're, it's like a, you know, it's like a, a kindling throw, log. Throw another one on the fire. Yeah, this, throw, this, throw another. <laughs> throw another feet. Don't feed on the fire. This is what the wire has taught me about Baltimore. <laughs> have you heard me and Jesse talk about? Have you heard my several breakdowns in a row while we talked All about right. the corner? No, but we'll get to it. <laughs> sure. All right, so, Jason's like I thought we said an hour, guys. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. go, go, go. go. So she starts a relationship with this guy, Tate, as he is about to graduate high school and go off to college. And they fall in love, but she's too damaged mm -hmm. uh, 
So when he goes off to college, because he has a nice scholarship to go to, uh, this would be the university. This would be Duke. Because it's uh, Chapel Hill. US, USC. It was UNC Chapel UNC. Hill. Yeah, Cha- yeah, Chapel Hill is the University of North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. So he, look, I'm sure he was there, and I'm sure he paved the way for Michael Jordan to do all the great things he did at UNC, because that's the only thing people know that program for. Okay. But anyway, he leaves and says, I'll be back on the 4th of July. We'll watch fireworks together. It'll be great. This doesn't actually end anything. And then he stands her up. <laughs> for <And> several she, <laughs> years. Yeah, for a while. Like it, It's not <laughs> just that. He then completely you know, doesn't contact her. He went out she for becomes, cigarettes. She becomes depressed. She starts becoming the object of some advances and affections from this guy, Chase. <sighs> The maybe the world look maybe the world's biggest tool this side of leonardo dicaprio and titanic <laughs> uh who spends a bit of time seducing her manipulating her being just kind of a jackass during this time she is able to send she does send off some of her drawings and whatnot to publishers like hey I'd like to make a book and at least one of them gets back to her and says sure we love what you're doing this will be great we'll start with one about shells and here's an advance for five grand. She's able to then pay off the back taxes on the uh, property that she's on, which she's kind of technically squatting, technically. Uh, but she gets it back for 800 bucks. Like so many, I almost threw up. Like so many years of back taxes and it's $800. Like, and it was oh. like 37 acres. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Okay. Can we? Can we remember... 50s through the 70s, different time. I know, I'm just, look, man, inflation's got me messed up, so anytime I happen to see something like that at the moment, it spawns a visceral reaction. (laughs) Cue Robert putting up 100 Facebook memes about gas prices. Hey, they suck. I'm in, like, the one state in the nation right now that hasn't seen serious gas reductions in the last couple of weeks. Not not joking, I'm still paying five bucks a gallon. Okay, I hear you. (laughs) Anyway, she finds out that he is a manipulative douchebag, uh, he's actually got a fiance and has had one for essentially their entire relationship. She gets pissed. Uh, Tate comes back around this period of time and tries to tell her that, you know, I'm sorry, I was a jackass and I really do love you. And she says, well, fine, but I can't forgive you yet. And he's like, okay, that's completely fair and understandable because he's a reasonable human being. <laughs> uh, Chase takes her decision to reject him based on the fact that he's, you know, engaged rather badly. They have a fight. He tries, he sexually assaults her. She fights him off. They have a bit of a scrap. He winds up dead. She winds up arrested on trial for it. Uh, Eventually, she's acquitted because the prosecution has no evidence. I mean, the, the closing arguments from the lawyer in this instance, well, it's not exactly Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> which they were clearly channeling with everything about that shooting of that scene, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, homage could not have been stronger. He points out that, you know, the burden of proof is on the prosecution and they can't even definitively prove that this guy was murdered and didn't just have a bad accident. Uh, so she's acquitted. She gets back together with Tate. They live their life. They grow old. People die. Eventually she dies. And as Tate is going through her things from their you know, shared life together, like this does the opposite of Up, where the sad montage comes at the end of the movie, not the beginning. <laughs> he finds a bit of evidence, in this case a, a, a shell necklace that she had given to Chase, 
when they were uh, when they were together. And the only and the fact that it's in her possession in this instance basically proves that yeah, she did actually kill him. And he decides, you know what? I don't care that much. <laughs> I'm I'm old. I'm gonna die anyway soon enough. I'll just take that secret to my grave. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, the horse has already left the barn on this. I mean, she couldn't even be charged again. Like, right. legitimately, yeah. you screw. This is one of the reasons you're careful with your charges, prosecutors out there, because double jeopardy is still a thing after she's been acquitted of first degree murder. Even if more evidence comes up to the contrary, you can't charge her again for a crime she's already been acquitted of. Right. Good job. All right, Jason. This was this is your moment. Take your time. Tell us what you want to tell us. Uh, no, I mean, I I really like the tone of this movie, and the visuals were really nice. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't one of those movies that, you know, explosions, bright lights, everything. It was kind of like a somber tone mm-hmm. that you could just, like, just step back and just enjoy the movie for what it was. Um and it's one of those type of movies that, like I said, it's definitely outside of my wheelhouse, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, the narrative, a bit slow at times, but it it was really trying to set up the whole misunderstood swamp girl, marsh girl, and how resilient she was uh, for the big reveal. Uh, because she talks about the praying mantis, uh, and all this, she drops um, hints about what what occurred um, when she says that there's two mating seasons uh, with lightning bugs and praying mantis and stuff. Um, and you you really feel for the girl because of everything she's endured. And when you find out that she actually killed him, it kind of gives you. This is going to sound really bad. I kind of gives you a sense of triumph that she was over able to overcome um, the mental and sexual abuse and still have the foresight to do something that's cold blooded and be so calm about it because she learned to adapt in that atmosphere from the abuse of father. And you kind of have the triumph of like, it actually is rewarding to know that she killed him. And that's a really weird that's a weird, really weird thing to say in this movie. Alright. Um, <clears throat> my only <clears throat> criticism about the movie is the non-linear uh, storytelling in that... Oh, here we go. Oh my god, suck my dick. Um, so the, the non-linear storytelling of we are introduced to the contemporary murder and then we get a flashback and then we're back to the trial and you know and um gathering of evidence and then we're back to the flashback again i i i'm just wondering out loud robert clearly is going to disagree with me and and say oh you're you're a slave to linear storytelling i'm just it's a thought exercise fucking sue me i'm wondering if there's a better movie here that starts with that goes linear starts with her as a child and we just follow her story all the way through up through the trial. Um, and the reason why I say that is I think some of the more interesting parts of the movie were the trial. Um, 
I found myself missing those scenes when we went away from them. I like the relationship between her lawyer and her and how he spoke with her. And um, yes, I understand what you're saying about his uh, his final words, um, his closing remarks, rather. But I did like that speech that the theme of the movie is... Oh, you know, for the record, it's well done. I, I bring mm. up the obvious influences because they are so obvious. And sure. if you haven't seen the closing arguments from Gregory Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird, stop what you're doing. Go find it on YouTube. It's one of the it's one of the best courtroom scenes ever filmed. I like the theme of we judge people um, before they've even committed a crime. They're guilty before they've done anything because we don't like them. We you know they're weird. They're outside the norm. Um her accomplishments didn't matter a lick to people because she was the Marsh girl. I like that. I like the I like the fact that the film deals with sort of the tacit prejudices inherent in the human condition and how ugly that is and, and how unfortunate. Um, you know, man's inhumanity to the man is real. And it's and it doesn't have to be as severe as like a Holocaust. It can just be shitty town people rejecting a um, homeless girl, you know, who lives out in the marsh. She uh, wasn't homeless. She had a home. Just wasn't very good. I'm a tumor. 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 Um, it's a very picturesque movie. Really, the star of this thing is the is the marshlands, and you have to be careful with that because marshlands, while are vibrant in color, can also be a little monochromatic. Um, you know, it's a lot of green. But it's a lot of the same greens at times. Uh, but I think they did a very good job of showing the character of the Marsh uh, and making uh, our lead so attached to it, um, really a, a part of it, without it going too far and getting absurd. Like, it didn't go into, like, Nell territory. Um, so I liked, I liked a lot of that. I liked how the movie looked. I liked, um, I liked how they used it in the scenes, and I didn't feel like there was a lot of repetition. Like, oh, my God. The same scene again in the same part of the swamp. Shoot me. Like, I felt there was enough differentiation in principal photography out in the marsh that even when we were when we were there and we would go back to certain places, it still felt a little bit different each time. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of subtlety in performance in this. Uh, yes, we were dealing with a preju prejudicial town, but, you know, it doesn't rise to the level of, like, Watchmen. You know, they, it's like, they never form a mob. Yeah. You know, we, we're not... <laughs> Evil does not die I was waiting for somebody to reference it. Yeah, we don't go raw, raw, we're an angry mob. Um, raw, raw, my name is Bob. Bob. Um, so I liked all of that. Uh, the movie runs at about a little two over five. two hours. Um, I know I say you're, this every week. You're feeling you're feeling the runtime by the end of this one. I'm not sure yes. it earns the entire two hours. Like another pass through editing, and maybe let's lose the ten to fifteen minutes of this. I don't think it needs a major cut. I don't think you know. Last night, I talked about Studio Six 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 with Sean, and I was like, that needed to be a tight ninety minutes. Um, this I don't think needed to be ninety minutes. I think you can get away with just under two hours. Over two hours, it started to feel its length a bit, and I'm not sure it was earned. Um, the leads, the, all the leads are great. They're beautiful, wonderful Hollywood people uh, who put on very nice, subtle performances. Uh, if I could talk about sexual assault for just a moment. No. Well, I mean, um, 
Do you, do we have to? Yeah, yeah, we kind of do in this instance, actually. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes of sexual assault with the uh, the second boy character, and I don't know. I'm wondering if those scenes could have been a little bit more brutal to really give you a sense of dread. Uh, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Stop. Mm -hmm. There's one. There's one scene of sexual assault. Okay, one scene of sexual assault and one scene of just awful sex. Yes. Yeah. The, and no, no arguing that. Like, there is regret <laughs> all over that girl's face. But sure. If that's your impression of sex, bad... it's a wonder. If, if, if women who have experienced that as their first experience of sex, there is no wonder they never want to do it again. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Like, Why are you taking personal shots at me, Mark? I've probably been that way for a lot of females. Uh, and you're done? Bam, bam, thank you. Hey, I was always I was always told you got to finish first. Okay. You've made this very <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, so, so, go ahead, Robert. The point, hang on, the point I'm making, and this is an important point for everyone out there, because this got brought up, if you'll recall, during the Me Too craze, we were bordering on Red Scare territory. Mm -hmm. Sex you regret does not constitute sexual assault. It's interesting. She that regretted that her decision. Hang on. It's interesting that, that I'm bringing up the fact that it's just kind of brutal, thoughtless, non-romantic, practically masturbatory sex. And you're, oh, God. And you're focusing on... I feel on, so attacked. You're going to need to get a hold of yourself there, uh, hot stuff. Um, and you're focusing on like her regret, which I didn't even consider. Like, Yeah, obviously there's regret in that scene, but the, I don't feel like that's the major focus of that scene. It's weird that it, I I'm not I'm not coming at you. I'm I'm honestly waiting to hear why that was the pickup and not what I'm talking about. Because it feels like in the in the pie chart of what's important in that scene, her regret wasn't the biggest part of it. See, I disagree. Okay, what I, I want to hear from Robert. Go, uh, he was starting to say something, and I need to let I him mean, finish. So go. I mean, what I'm. Okay, now I'm genuinely curious what you think the biggest part was. How brutal it was. That this guy is how just bad in bed and didn't care about his... That was... I don't how think was it, that I don't think it, Unless you I mean like... In, it, hold on, hold on, hold on. Unless you mean in the flowery <laughs> sense? Yes. Like, uh, understand that you're some... Because of how we use brutal... Okay, As yeah, I, I'm not saying for things other than physicality. Okay, I'm not comparing it to boys don't cry. I'm saying... There was no passion. There was no love. That was sex in the... Mo and I said it before, and I'll use the same phrase again. That was sex in the most masturbatory of senses. He got okay. off in two to three strokes, and he was done. That could have been a sex doll, a jar of peanut butter, a fur coat. It didn't matter. She was utterly dehumanized in that scene. I see okay. your point. He's He's a terrible person. We already know this. <laughs> okay. And all I was saying was, I'm not, I'm curious if we maybe couldn't have amped that up just a bit, is all I said. And then somehow Why? we landed it. And, I, and somehow we well, landed on, on her regrets. And I'm like, I'm not even talking about that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you, you are in the sense that if you want that to be a, if he physically harms her in that scene. Yeah. She's not with him for the rest of the movie. No, no, I'm not saying she like needed to be donkey punched. 
Okay. Kind, you you still kind of are like it's oh, un, it's unca it's uncaring on his part. Yes. Sure. Yeah. I'm going. My question then becomes: Why do we require brutality out of that? He's just a shithead. Yeah, and it kind of frames him as being the douchebag that he is. Okay. That so she is just a side piece. Mm -hmm. That and a conquest uh, for his peers, for him to brag about because he banged the marsh girl. Yeah, he banged the wild animal. I, okay, you guys can can safely make your argument that scene was just subtle enough to have won the moment, and it didn't need more. It didn't need more or less. It was perfect the way it was. I accept your argument. I was putting out there. I'm wondering if there was room for a little more resolve. Am I not allowed to do that? I mean, I just a couple of things about that. Okay. One, I question if that wouldn't push the boundary of what the of the rating they were going for. That's a fair point. Two, again, you you strain credulity if this is anything more than just really bad sex for her first time. Okay. Again, because because they're going to still be together for a serious period of time. If this is, and he's not smart enough to be that manipulative. Okay. Like even to a even to a somewhat socially inept person, this guy is not some master manipulator. Right. He's a jackass. Mm hmm And that's kind of the like his his master plan here is oh, she doesn't go into town and talk to people. She will never encounter anyone who will be able to tell her what a shithead I am. Right, so I can so I can bang the wild the, the the wildebeest, and no one will be the wiser because the wildebeest never comes out of her cave. Right, I mean, he's not even using a he's not even using a fake name. <laughs> like, All right, there's Jason so tried, much here. Jason's tried to weigh in a couple of times, so quick address uh, our 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 over examination of this one sex scene, and then let's move back to this one. Yeah, like uh, I I think that it just had just the right tone to kind of show you mm -hmm. that he was kind of a douchebag. Mm -hmm. Now, to your point, I think the beach scene mm -hmm. could have been, they could have took at, just pushed that a little further. Okay. Like maybe he got her drunk or like there was I, some kind of manipulation. Like I think what, what that needed was a worse... I hate to fr let me phrase this very carefully. We needed to see the physical after effects of that more than a three, what looked like a three day old fading bruise on her eye. Like she got clobbered yeah. at least once. Like that's, I'm sorry, I've seen people get punched like that. Mm -hmm. That's more than a light bruise. Like the backhand does the light bruise. That, that one he clocks her with on the ground. Well, maybe That's she nice. learned her. Maybe she got the same. Maybe Amber Heard was giving her beauty tip advice. Who knows? Oh, stop. Um, but anyway, no, I'm saying that they could have went. They could have pushed the envelope there a little further, just to have it traumatize her a little bit mm -hmm. more. And like Robert yeah. said, the 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 physical abuse, other than the like the light bruise, there could have been some. You know, if she would have had some like bruising on her arm as well as her face, maybe a limp. Where he was, like, maybe walking a little bow legged. Like, like seriously, I'm not really making a joke. 
Well, I mean, some kind of evidence I think of vaginal they, tearing is what I'm alluding to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think they could have done a little bit more with the physical representation than they did, and they could have pushed it a little bit. Is anyone else like is mildly amused by the cognitive dissonance of three men talking about a better way to shoot a rape scene? No. <laughs> <laughs> throwing it out there. Well, this, hang this, on. This, this might be a little tone deaf. <laughs> Never mind that some of the most, and I mean this in the, I mean this in the way that it's intended, some mm -hmm. of the most disturbing rape scenes committed to film have been shot by men. Of course they. And are. I don't. And bear in mind, I don't mean unironically disturbing. Like like oh, they, I guarantee I mean, you, one of my female friends is going to hear this. I'm, I guarantee you, I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear about this from one of my female friends. Is going to hear this. It's like I respect what you guys are saying. Not sure if three cisgendered white men are are the. Are the Council of Elders to be discussing the best way to shoot a rape scene? Just well, yeah, I'm doing it anyway, and I'm committed to this. I've just there's there's tone deafness that's amusing to me, is all. Well, how is no, it? Hold I'm, on, just a second. Okay. How do you get to tone? How do you get to tone deaf out of this? Well, no, I'm, I want to. I want to. I want to jump in. So go ahead. I think I think we are the ones to uh, a good a good representation because um, we don't know the emotional damage. We can only correlate the action to a physical aspect. We can't we can't fathom what emotional damage is there there is a psychological damage. So we need the physical representation to feel that and to connect with it. I feel like we've been on this for 20 minutes and all I said was, I'm wondering if they could have added more to that scene. That, and, 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 uh, literally, are... I wonder if they could have added more to that scene led to this whole thing. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> go ahead, Robert, go ahead and it, you can actually it, just go, go into your craft review. It, it's true, but it's true that, yeah, that's what started this because you wanted more brutality in what is essentially a bad sex scene. That's designed to show bad sex. It's there's bad that's sex. That's all it is. And then there's dehumanization of a person. That's what that's that's the sub that's the subject that is, of that scene. No, oh no, no, yeah, no. I think no, you're no, thinking okay. too much. Uh no guys. There's you are, no yeah, way you think her as a person. No, no, no. You're overthinking it. She's not she is not dehumanized the way you're thinking about. Like in the sense that that guy All is the type of guy who's thinking. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. In the sense that that guy's the kind of jackass who'll stick it in anything, sure. <laughs> yeah. And the okay. fact like, that she had legitimate feelings for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's spending time with her and forms his own sort of very, very warped attachment to her. Because like, you have to... You have to realize she has abandonment she, she, issues. Her entire okay. family abandoned her. Okay. Her dad's abandoned her. I don't, the guy that she fell in love with abandoned her, and he is filling that void. Okay, I first of all, I'm not making the argument that she was there unwillingly. She clearly wanted to sleep with the guy for all the reasons you're stating. And that, that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, as far as he's concerned, she's the family dog he decided to fuck and treated her as such. Like I don't. Well, I don't know how this went into bestiality, but <laughs> that's a step too far. Uh, it's a euphemism. 
Um, go, all right, Robert, we, we're all talking I, over each okay, other. Okay. We need to move here's, forward. Here's where I'm taking issue with what you're bringing up here. Okay. And I, I think this is the right way to frame this. Okay. I've seen the deliberate dehumanization of women in particular, but people mm-hmm. in sex scenes frequently. It comes up a lot. This never rose to the level for me of you are no longer a person. This is a selfish jackass, a manipulative, selfish jackass who deserves what happens to him by the time this is all said and done. Mm -hmm. Shed no tears over a fictional character in this instance. But in that moment, he's just selfish. He's not. He does not consider her a thing. She's still a, she's still fundamentally a human being. I've just, I've seen more than enough instances of one part of an, uh, for the sake of argument, we'll limit this to pairings instead of larger sessions. I've seen enough of parts of one half of a pairing being deliberately dehumanized by everything that the movie tells you to feel that this was not that. This shows you a lot about his. This shows you a lot about his character, mm-hmm. and it's a great way. It's actually a really brilliant way to clue anyone who hasn't already picked up on what a dickhead this guy is, to just have him be like this in an intimate setting. Okay. I don't mean to be the virtue signaling liberal snowflake commie, but I For am. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I am wondering when people hear this back how many women will agree with me and again i don't mean to be that guy and i'm not trying to be this is not me pining for uh female attention by being the sensitive sort i legitimately feel like he did not see her as a human being it was a one part notch on belt one part pet and there was no foresight into what she is or who she is as a person And I think that scene is demonstrative of that. Now, if you're like, it doesn't really rise to the level of other films that I've seen that are doing the things that I'm accusing this one of doing, that's fine. And that's maybe grist for the mill for a longer conversation in a different format, a different venue. But I am wondering if I am wondering, and this is more of a rhetorical wonder, and then I'm going to let you do your finish, finish your craft review. How many women will hear this and go, I agree with Mark. Versus how many men will hear this and go, I agree with uh, Waldorf and Statler. So, What if you get women that agree with me and Robert? Then they do. And I'm wrong. And I'm okay with being wrong. I've worked with Robert enough. I've been wrong enough. I'm just... <laughs> I, I'm just putting... I'm putting out there that I'm wondering how much of this is gender bias. And I, and, and I don't mean that as, like a, like a negative thing. I'm saying I'm wondering if... I've thought about this from a different perspective than maybe you guys were. And upon reflection, you might see it a different way. Um, maybe not. But I'm also, again, wondering. We, there, we don't have a woman here on the panel tonight. And I'm not calling one. Um, we don't need Amber. We don't need Alexis or my wife. None of which who saw this movie. Um, but uh, I, would be, I would be curious. Like, if I had my friend Mia here, I'd be curious to see, because it didn't come up. We didn't talk about this, but now that it's... Of all the things you could have talked about with the the woman you saw the movie with in the aftermath. Hey, can we just talk about rape for just... While I'm driving you home, can we just talk about rape for just a moment? 
I didn't want to discuss the nuance of bad sex and what makes you feel like a person when you're theoretically connected with another human being that way and then discover that you're not. <laughs> um, so I might I might like send this to her and be like, hey, this came up a bunch. I'm curious to see where you, curious to see where you land on it. All right. What about the if we could just now close the book on that and move yeah. on to the rest of your craft review, Robert? I don't have a whole lot to add to what's been said here. Uh, the pacing's a bit slow in a bad way in a few different places. <laughs> way too deliberate. No, like it, there's places where it's deliberate, then there's places where it's just slow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a problem. The acting's all fine. I don't think there's anything like nothing is really going to stick with me acting wise out of this, but there's nothing bad. There's, there's absolutely nothing mm -hmm. bad here. Uh, I agree with you that they do a great job uh, in terms of the cinematography. There's some great landscape shots. They do a good job of making the setting an important and integral part of the overall story. That's great. Uh, I don't mind the nonlinear storytelling. I wish they'd done more with it. Uh, like, It feels like at different times we jump back and forth a bit randomly, and I would rather there be some kind of connective tissue there instead of okay. just... I can see that. That might have been my issue, not the nonlinear storytelling in and of itself, despite your opinions of me. I just know what you like in that respect. You do. You give it to me every single time. I don't... Okay. That is not true, and you know it. <laughs> Jason, you're only objecting to me doing something like that because you're feeling left out. You, you, I you am. I'm, I'm, I'm not included in the circle jerk. And you I'm, I'm... jealous twat. Okay, you cannot. Wow. get between, you cannot get between me oh, and my wow. love. You, you're lucky Jesse isn't here. And and I and here I was buying you. No, a look, hang on. Sure, and a pimp hat. <laughs> Even if For Jesse was here, he Jesse would have noped out on this discussion five minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen our latest Middle Hammer of Dooms? He's had to deal with quite a lot lately. That's what this would have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Like he, he would just be like, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm yeah. not going to be in on this. I think that was the put, test that Mark gave him that broke the camel's back. <laughs> no, that was the last load-bearing thing that was put on there. Now this would be just. Don't talk about Mark and loads. There's, there's, After there's we talk about rape, can go on that. Okay. As you were saying, sir. Uh, I'm. The revelation that she did kill him annoyed me in the sense of how they executed it. Mm -hmm. I don't hate that she did it for the character or the narrative. Fine. Genuinely don't care. If you go through all the hoops of, so you're telling me that she put on a disguise because the bus driver couldn't recognize her, jumped a bus from, where were they, in Greenville? Or Asheville, one of the two. Back to Asheville, this I think. In the, then in the, yeah, then in the space of an hour, contacted him, lured him to the specific location, killed him, got rid of the evidence, got back on the bus, returned to her other to her other place. Like that is genuinely some next level criminal planning. If you're gonna <laughs> tell me that she actually did that, I need a flashback proving it. See, yeah. like this just was, real quick. Was, just executed badly. Well, I think I don't think that she contacted him. I think it was the revelation earlier on in the movie that he says he comes up there to get away from his family. That she he knew she knew that he would be up there, 
So she just took advantage of the opportunity. And in a one-hour window happened to have God's own luck? Like, that's <laughs> some... Even if that's the case, fine. Like, I just... Well, that's here's some, the thing. like, that is, day of the have you not seen CIA uh, assassination. Well, have you not seen that the Ocean's whole, Eleven? That is the whole basis of her lawyer's closing remarks is... Because he basically just says exactly what you said. She did this, she did this. I know. Does that sound like she could have possibly pulled that off to you? And it turns out she did. <laughs> it's like, all right. I mean, but that's could the whole she, point of it. Could she have killed him before she even left? I mean, no, I think they because had he had dinner with his family that same night. Yeah, I was going to say, but okay. I, I think I, I don't remember where we are. And in, in, in yeah, Texas. it's. And you know, and in dating the, the death of bodies, but I'm fairly certain they were able to to, to give a fairly accurate point, okay. as part of the coroner's yeah, report. They've... Again, if you're gonna set up that she actually pulled off this impossible, essentially like mm-hmm. Agatha Christie murder, she wrote level <laughs> of hit. Mm-hmm. Let me see it. Like you, you can't just leave that hanging out there. Like, oh no, she did kill him. Can no, I? Can I? Po- there's can evidence. I they posited the theory though sure. that they were going for ambiguous. They wanted, they, you know, yes, it's the implication with the necklace in the book is that she did it. But what if she didn't? And you know, and you don't really know. My takeaway from the end of the movie was you are led to believe she did, but there's still a lingering doubt because you never see it. There's a better way. Yeah. You have to be the evidence it in could... question. Then must be more ambiguous than a piece of evidence that was demonstrably, according to witness testimony, on his person when he was still alive, immediately before he was murdered, and then was not on his body when they found it. There's Mm -hmm. a small window in there wherein she could have recovered that thing, and there's only one thing that happened to him during that time period. Hey, haven't you listened to... You want to be ambiguous? Fine, but you've got to be a lot more ambiguous than that. Okay, anything else? No, I think that's kind of my only gripe about it was like, again, if you want to if you want to leave it a little bit like, no, of course she didn't kill him until the end, the final reveal, then give me the flashback. Like you, even if you wanted to, if you still want to argue for ambiguity, let it be. You can argue that it's like Tate's imagination of what she might have done instead of a, an omniscient perspective. Fine. But again, like you can't set that up and then not pay it off. The way that this was structured. like right. that, that's, that's bad nice. craft. All right. Uh, if there's nothing else, then let's move on to the money. Yes. Jason, yes. Any, any final words? Nope. You're good. Okay. Uh, good. Good. We're in the money. We're in the money. I don't know why I question whether or not we're going to have enough material to fill a damn you Hollywood. <laughs> we are some talking motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Especially then about right. always find something. I, I, every single time, I don't know why I doubt us. Um, I've only been, I've only just, been for up for the record. For the record, you all understand that you have just that discussion nuked any possibility of monetizing the video, right? Just for the record, <laughs> you, I'm not, I'm uh, not joking. You say that word on YouTube, and they immediately do not allow you to make money off of the videos. Here's the thing: I'm gonna go ask for a review anyway because we had an intellectual discussion of film craft. If I don't get monetized for it, that's fine. I, I I'm okay you with that. You can't say the R word. You just can't say it. Okay. Tripe. <laughs> tripe. He he triped her. 
Anyway, on a budget of twenty-four million dollars, this thing has made seven point seventeen point three million. Um, in the United States and Canada, where the Crawdad Sings released alongside Paul Severi, The Legend of Hank, which bombed, by the way. And Mrs. Harris goes to Paris and was initially projected to gross around 10 million from uh, 3,600 theaters in the opening weekend after making 7.3 million on its first day. Estimates were raised to 16 million. It went on to debut 17 million, finishing third at the box office, which is not bad, all in no, all. Not, not bad at all. Yeah, for, for a little, uh, for a semi indie. Uh, wide release drama pick in the middle of you know gangbuster summer that's that's nothing to sneeze at that's uh, no i've made fun of far worse um but as i as i said and last will in the future yes sir as i said last week and i am proven correct four eleven under repeated for a second week and is the number one 68. movie of the weekend. that's that said man look we have to talk about this very briefly because this came yes, up in did. our group chat yep four eleven thunder fell 68 percent yep which is huge yeah that is a yeah and we brought this up like the limited theatrical window i think word of mouth becomes more important than ever if yeah. you're trying to draw people to a theater but not if only there's that a- you you can't get away with like eh, it'll be fine like you know the thor movies all ragnarok did well this will do well too like you have to aim for the fences on every hit now have you noticed that like you can't yeah. just depend on previous performance to carry you anymore no it does it's not working it's failing left and right look we've said this about we you and i have been saying this about marvel for a while mm-hmm. they're they have burned through the vast majority of, of their goodwill at this point yeah they have like yeah. it, it, here's the thing you you get a person who says Moon Knight was great. You get another person who says Moon Knight was crap. The problem is that's happened with every single Disney Plus show. That's happened with every single movie. Like there, when was the last time anything was universally liked out of the Marvel universe? When when was the last thing that happened, when was the last thing that happened that didn't split the audience? It was Spider Man, which was Spider-Man half a Sony, it. right? Which was half yeah. a Sony product. So before that, it was Endgame. Well, no, no, yeah. You know what? No, I, hang on. Doctor Strange didn't split the fan base the way that other things have. There were people who didn't get what they wanted out of it because of their unrealistic expectations. But I don't think Doctor Strange had the same effect that, you know, Eternals or anything since then has had. Okay. It's, it's, a, if it's a different split then that you're talking about, but it's still splitting. A little bit, getting, yeah. Because it's instead of splitting of, like, the, the, the fans that you've pissed off versus the fans that have accepted what you've done, in that case, it was the fans that fans that didn't get what they want versus the fans who didn't care um either way my question remains well for the answer like when was the last time marvel well, did that's anything still a, well that that at least is a different split than four which is mm-hmm. you got a lot of people saying this sucked not yeah. just me yeah i mean not just me right yeah there's a lot, a lot of, of YouTube people who are very unhappy with that movie I don't want to get into too long of discussion, but I think what, what Hawkeye was the only show that came even close to universal appeal. Out of what? Sure. even that. No, no, no. I mean on the Disney Plus. Wanda. Okay, so Wandavision, I... Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, yeah. what if, um, Moon Knight, uh, Ms. Marvel. Okay, well, what if? Hang on. What if didn't? What if didn't split the audience? Mm-hmm. Did anyone watch it? I did. After the, after the first. That's all of them. She Hulk is next. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so what? What if? 
Yeah, I watched yeah. it all. Yeah. No, I, I was wondering if it had high num high streaming numbers. Because that's the other thing. Like, you know, a lot of people watched WandaVision. WandaVision got, you know, a lot of nominations for prizes. Um, but to, but from WandaVision to Ms. Marvel, I think the audience for the Disney Plus show is playing. The, yeah, I think well, Hawkeye was oh, probably. Yeah. I think Hawkeye, my, my, I'm, what I'm positing is that Hawkeye was probably the closest to universal appeal of any of these Disney Plus shows. Yeah. So your record is what, one in 10? That's not good. That's bad. Yeah. So even, even Hawkeye uh, was it's the closest they got. It didn't actually get there. Right. I know a lot of people like, had a lot of problems with Hawkeye. That I feel like that like the when your closest that you get is still a seventy is you know seventy thirty. When you used to get ninety ten ninety five five, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. In some cases, a hundred percent of like everyone who saw it loved it. It was like universally praised. Anyway, um, for those that saw it, so uh, minions. Repeated in the second spot, where the crawdad sing debuted at number three. Top Gun Maverick uh, fell from three to four. Elvis four to five. P Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, which should have gone straight to Paramount Plus. <laughs> like, we're gonna miss fellas. Service. Yeah, debuted at number six and bombed terribly. Maybe don't. Maybe don't try to remake Mel Brooks for kids, <laughs> especially his one dealing on worse. What fever dream on pot did this meeting occur at? Like when they were like this pitch meeting. I have no idea. What a weird concept. Um, Jurassic World uh, fell from five to eight. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Debuted at number nine. Lightyear seven to ten. Marcel with the shell with the shoes on uh, made okay. it into wide release. It looks like and jumped from uh, dropped from eleven eight to eleven. Everything everywhere all at once eleven to twelve. Gone in the night debuted at number thirteen. The bad guys twelve to fourteen. Doctor Strange ten to fifteen. Gabby Giffords won't back down. Debuted at sixteen. Bob's Boyas. Currently on Hulu, uh, dropped from 13 to 17. Fire of Love, 1918, and The Killer debuted at number 19. Um, Anonymous Club, 26. She Will, 28. Costa Brava, Lebanon, 31. And that is all the releases uh, for this week. Um, worldwide, where we stand, Top Gun, still the only movie that has made a billion. Doctor Strange eking it out with nine, uh, 954 million. And Jurassic World has joined the $900 million club. Probably not going to make a billion because I think it's it's currently on Peacock yeah, now. Yeah, but that, that no, yeah, it's it's, it's not done. on there yet. It's done. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so welcome it, to the new it normal. Doesn't matter at this point, it's done. Yeah. Welcome to yeah. the new normal where nothing where nothing except Top Gun Maverick, um, makes over a billion dollars. The Batman falls to four with seven hundred and seventy. Watergate Bridge six twenty six. Minions. Uh, currently the best performing animated film of this year. Take that, everybody. Um, at 543 million. <laughs> the Thor Love and Thunder crossed into 500 million, despite the fact that everyone thought it sucked. Fantastic Beast still maintaining in the top 10 at 405. Sonic at 401, and Uncharted also at 401, just slightly less than Sonic. Um, this week, I will be going on vacation. But the major release is Nope. That'll be the number one movie of the weekend, though you seem to disagree with that. I've changed my perspective on that. With Thor, look, Thor's going to fall again. It's going to fall again hard. Nope will probably yeah. take it. Yeah, I, I think much that's as, easy money. Much as I think the bloom is off the rose of... Mm -hmm. Look, the bloom's off the rose as far as Jordan Peele's films go, I think, but he probably still has enough cachet to 
to crank he also out has no, to beat Thor in its third week. He also has no wide release competitors. Um, the 29th, the big wide release competitor is uh, DC League of Super Pets, though there's also this Vengeance movie that no one's going to go see. And then August 5th, we are into the dog days of summer at this point. Uh, if you're in Florida, you're going back to school. If you're in the Northeast, uh, you still have another month to go. But nonetheless, the the major movie of that weekend is another yeah, Sony picture. Yep, yep. It's going to be Bullet Train. Bullet Train. And then... The thing is, the two weekend. and a half hours long? The hell? <laughs> um, is this got a rating yet? No. I need to know if I can take my kids to this, if there's going to be boobies or not. What, Bullet Train? Movie. Yeah. Bullet Train. Uh, it's probably going to be a I, I wouldn't take the kids to see it. They want to yeah. see it, though. They okay. want to. You have to see you have to see it first then like you're gonna have to you're gonna have yeah, to figure you, out that one like i don't think I you could going, risk taking them to it blind yeah i don't know i i need to do some more research um august 12th uh the wide release is summering which no one's gonna go see and mac and reader which no one's gonna go see and i even think that the weekend of the 12th um what are we doing we are doing um oh you see because prey comes out the fifth uh which is the new predator movie on hulu so that's what we're going to be doing instead which tells that's you there's nothing suck. on the 12th that's worth going to go see yeah um anyway I, i'm 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 very concerned about prey to be, to be and there's just people scares me fall fall that could uh, be August interesting August night. Yeah, I saw the trailer for Fall. I everyone in the theater that saw the trailer for Fall thought that was the stupidest thing ever, but whatever. It's also limited release. Um Look, Beast is the next one. Hang on. Here's the only thing I'll say about Fall. I don't hate the kind of like stranded in awkward places premise for survival horror movies. Mm -hmm. If the entire scaffolding around your tower is that rickety, I'm not sorry. Like that, you, you took me out of the movie when every when it completely collapsed, like all the way to the ground. Like just, I briefly no. thought about so reviewing B, no. but but uh, let's see, what's the reason I said no? Oh, I'm going. I'm allegedly still going away the weekend of the nineteenth. Um, so when I come back, we're gonna do the Gray Man instead. Uh, but I think um, I think Beast will end up winning its weekend. It's you know that looks like a fun yeah. natural horror movie with uh, uh, I've not Elba. seen a trailer for that yet. Really? Oh, I've seen it a couple times. Oh, yeah. I've seen it like four or five times. I've right, seen so that's that the, with Look, apparently that my theater drone. thinks that I've seen a couple of bullet train trailers. Apparently my theater gets its uh, Idris Elba fixed by promoting the George Miller movie where he's a genie. <laughs> All right, I folks, see well, that, that is, too. That is the money as it stands right now for where the crawdad's saying. So let us move on to the critical review. Yay! Yay! Hang on, I've hit the wrong button yet again. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No! 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 
All right, where the crawdad saying uh, the critics hated this. It's kind of 36 percent splat, but the audience loved it. Almost a almost a perfect score. Nobody review bombed this. Nobody's angry. This didn't piss off the neckbeards. See what happens. See what happens when you don't piss off the neckbeards. Uh, critical consensus. Daisy Edgar Jones gives it her all, but where the crawdad sings is ultimately unable to distill its source material into a tonally coherent drama. And the audience says a particular treat for viewers who love the book. Where the Crawdad Sing offers a faithfully told, well-acted story in a rich, beautiful film setting. Yes, and when you give the people what they want, how they will we, reward you with their. How dollars. did the audience get? How did the audience get this more right than the critics? Because the critics. I'm, I'm not it. saying. The critics suck. Look, I'm not saying that you. I'm not saying you have to give this perfect marks. And this is the best picture of the year. It's not. But wow, did, are some of them off base? Yeah. All right, Jason, I'm going to need you to share this one with uh, Amber and Liz, okay? Nadine okay. Whitby, uh, film, Film Inc. Australia, an exercise in taking women-led stories backwards and feels like a Hallmark film with a decent budget and an A-list cast. Yeah, they might rip that li little girl a, a new asshole uh, hearing that. I, I don't see this. Uh, I, I've endured a lot of Hallmark movies. Um, yeah, like, how do you get to Hallmark from this? Like, that... You're trying to be overly yeah. dismissive. Like if you if you want to say that it feels again like overly reliant on drama, fine. But like likening it to a Hallmark movie is a way of dismissing the effort put into it is just a cheap trick. Uh, Brian Lloyd of Entertainment.ie, where the crawdad thing drowns itself in shallow waters, Derheep. I'm sure oh you feel God. so clever, don't you? He needs throat punched. Yeah. Layla yeah. Latif of Little White Lies. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Top critic. Kaya's world is so toothless and the aesthetic so rote that it feels like the creation of a committee of Instagrammers. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Hold on. I'll give, I'll give you a couple of points to this end, believe it or not. The, the lack of of teeth in the world for North Carolina in this particular time period, you know, I, I will kind of give you that. A little bit, they sanitize that a bit much. I'm not sure how you get rote for the visuals, and I really don't know why you think Instagrammers were the committee that they assembled to pull this. <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense at all. No. Alrighty. Uh, Susan Granger, I haven't read her in a while, one of our friends here at SSG Syndicate. This sincere sentimental slog through the best-selling courtroom drama murder mystery coming of age saga romance has been disappointingly banal evoking memories of sappy nicholas sparks novels i put this i mean i'm not a nicholas sparks person but uh the notebook i really enjoyed um uh, i put this right behind the notebook i put this above lovely bones the book was a lot better uh, Lovely Bones was a lot better than the movie portrayed it, but I put this up there within the conversation with Notebook. But I, I, some of these critics, I, I is going to give me an aneurysm. <laughs> All right, uh, I wonder if my friend reviewed this. I'm not sure how you. I'm gen. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm genuinely not <laughs> sure how you get to sappy out of this. Like. This isn't a yeah. sappy story until like the last three minutes. Okay, I'll give you the last three. But other than that, this yeah. is not a sappy story. All right, Gene Kaplan of Kaplan versus Kaplan. 
if you're looking for a good summer movie, this isn't it. How is that helpful when it comes to reviewing the film? Yeah. And how do we not how do we not become top critics when they put shit like this out? Because we don't have an audience. Well, we're not we even an audience. Like, how does even, he have like, an not audience? Top, we really don't. <laughs> this is a fresh but one, no but idea, it makes me laugh. But the, but, uh, <laughs> this is a fresh one, but it makes me laugh. Ty Burr of Ty Burr's watch list. It is acceptable. You don't say. Uh, I, Rob I, Thomas of Capital Times. I appreciate Times. the dramatic ellipsis there, you pretentious twat. <laughs> <laughs> For a movie about a wild child, it's fatally tame. Was she supposed Isn't that to a movie about a feral child raised by wolves? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the fucking jungle book. I've I've seen those movies about feral kids. Like this is not a, was never a feral child, you idiot. All right. Um so this is one of Robert's girlfriends, one of his uh, one of his ladies he likes to keep around. Okay. Uh, this is Carla stop Renato, the curvy fix, film critic. Stop, seriously, stop trying to fix me up. Oh, I mean, could, could can you do worse than Carla Renato, the curvy film critic? I feel like she's your type. Could I do worse? Yeah, I could probably do worse. That's true. <laughs> a tad predictable in a few spots, but for the most part, your head spins from all the detours taken along the way. The finale of this film will take you for a loop, but it's well worth the ride, as is the performance of Daisy Edgar Jones' as Kaya. I feel like Caller Renata never really got object permanency and is still startled by this shit here. Peekaboo! <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I legit think that if you do like this in front of Caller Renata, she thinks you disappeared. Or jingle some keys in front of her. Yeah. She's just easily amused. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be dismissive. I'm genuinely curious yeah, sure. how anyone was like, no, I, I'm really not. Like, I'm genuinely curious how you found this to be a winding narrative full of twists and turns. It's fairly straightforward. All right. Um, a few more of these and we'll call it a night. Where are you, my friend? Come out, come probably out, didn't wherever review you it. are. You're probably not. Oh, by the form. way, did he? Did I? I questioned. Did he respond to you on Twitter when you tagged him? Not yet. <laughs> oh, oh Lord! I'll have to go look at that. I um, I, I don't know in the next couple of months if I'm going to have the time to do this. Um, my my social life seems to be shifting back the other way now uh, to a space of normalcy. But if I have some time to do an extra TikTok project, I really want to find a supercut of us abusing Kevin Carr. Like I want, I want to go through all the different. I want to go back through all our damn you Hollywood, Rotten Tomato reviews, and just pull out the Kevin Carr stuff and just do a TikTok of a supercut of that. Just, just cut together my various insults at him, send it to music, <laughs> and just like you're gonna get me in trouble, man. We're gonna think what, that I. <laughs> what when it's gonna start? It's gonna because it's gonna start with like exasperation and then just straight up anger and then into creepy taunting. <laughs> <laughs> like you can like you can follow the progression of how we abuse this guy. Um, no, he did not respond to me. He apparently is like a radio DJ. Like that's his whole thing. Well, good for him. Yeah, uh, he also looks different on Twitter than he does in his like biopic 
here. But anyway, speaking of um, twats, Robbie Collin of Daily Telegraph UK, top critic. A finger-licking family bucket of southern fried twaddle. Okay. The fuck did he say? <laughs> he's being he's being both classist and slightly racist. <laughs> Moderately racist. Just because there's a black cup to winner the- doesn't mean KFC sponsored him. God. Hey, I, some people. God. Have you ever heard? This is not a joke. Have you ever heard people from the UK try to do an American accent? No. Ninety percent of them wind up doing a bad Southern accent because they can't do a normal American accent. It's hilarious. So they sound like me and cornbread. More Tennessee, like a little more Foghorn Leghorn, actually, most of the time. Oh God. All right, last one. Elise Wax of Collider. We hate you, Collider. We hate you. Where the Crawdads Sing is a weirdly uncomfortable movie. On many levels, if you haven't read the book, I can't imagine you would want to see this movie. If you had read the book, I say proceed with great caution. What's uncomfortable? I mean, I mean it's a, there's stuff in here that's supposed to make you uncomfortable. That's kind of the point. Yeah, it it's, mean it's doing its job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like it's like I'm uncomfortable, like in a bad way. It's a thought-provoking uncomfortable, like we've discussed across the the board tonight. It makes you think about certain prejudice and uh, class prejudice and stuff, and how people are perceived without being able to get to know them and seeing the their true nature. That is the uncomfortable, not like a weird, grimy, kind of cringe uncomfortable. So, I, I don't know. Some of these critics, uh, how they have an audience that and we can't get one is beyond me. We are screaming into the void that is the internet. That's all any of us are doing. All right. Well, my mouse just died. I need to give it a second to recharge. But that is our review of Way to Crawl Dad saying... Um, I'm on vacation this coming week, so we're going to re-air for Damn You Hollywood, a movie that uh, Robin and I thoroughly enjoyed and gave a great review to Pan from 2015, I think. Why do you lie to the people, Mark? <laughs> Robert and I gave that movie a rousing endorsement. We, we, we especially appreciated the chanting of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Changed Robert's perspective on Nirvana entirely. Oh my god. We we endorsed it for the gas chamber. It's about what we endorsed <laughs> it for, yeah. Oh wow. So that's next week. Uh when I come back, we'll be reviewing DC League of Superheroes. The week after that, Bullet Train, then Prey, then the Gray Man, then Samaritan, and then uh, we're taking a week off, possibly. Um, so that is what's going on in the month of August. As for what's going on this week, Sunday, um, I cried for an hour. While talking about the corner with Jesse, uh, I, I made my wife listen to that show, and she's like, "I have learned a lot about you, or it has reinforced some things I already knew about you on this show." Um, she she did rem- she did remind me. She was like, "I don't know why you you identify with the character who feels unloved. You have like a dozen friends and people who check in on you, and people who love you dearly. The fuck is wrong with you?" I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah, I'm um, the one who identifies with the unloved characters here. Come on, uh, don't take my shtick, Mark. Okay, well, you need to watch the corner, and then you can then you can identify with Gary, and I'll give that up for you. Okay. 
Look, I'll watch the corner and just eat popcorn and cheer the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kill yourself, dope fiends. Just get it over with. Spare me the last two episodes of this thing. Why are you dragging this out? We all know how this story ends. Tragically. Um, and speaking of tragedies, myself and Sean Comer in our last podcast <laughs> together for a very long time, as I cut back to two weeks, we reviewed uh, Studio 666, Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, and Detroit Rock City. I am taking tomorrow off, and then Thursday we're back, and we'll be reviewing Ms. Marvel, and that is it. And then I go on vacation, uh, we'll be re-airing Cooked, the Highlander movies, Pan, and our four-part retrospective of the Harry Potter series. And then when we come back, we're re-airing our Long Road to Ruin on the Predator movies, and then the on-trial for the Predators, where they dropped a bunch of criminals on a planet and then let them get attacked by dogs. And then we're back live again Tuesday night. So that's what's going on here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Jason Teasley, I hear you uh, play with Mosaics now. Uh, yes, I'm part of Mosaic Media MC. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, we just dropped our latest... Um, episode earlier today where i was granted entry into one of the biggest fantasy football drafting communities ever and the scott fishbowl uh, another big announcement we are also part of the yard of war professional uh fantasy football we actually own a team that will have merchandise and everything uh that's a really exciting adventure that we're going out for uh definitely check out Tyler over there uh, doing all things related to MTV's The Challenge or The Challenge on CBS. Uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out on our Twitter polls, takes, everything going up multiple times a day. Always like, share, comment on any content you see. All right, Robert, take me home, daddy -o. Well, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts over in uh, over at 411mania.com. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW stuff on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, and the UFC whenever they run an event on Saturday. If you're interested in my thoughts on mixed martial arts, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. This last week, a review of UFC on ABC3, which was a solid card on paper, pretty darn good card in practice with an unfortunate ending to the main event. Uh, I also preview this upcoming UFC on ESPN plus the heck are they on now? 66, I think uh, they're going back to London this sun this Saturday. So I will be covering that on Saturday in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. So if any of that appeals to you, please do give it a listen and listen to Mark and I talk about pan and what a terrible, terrible, terrible series of decisions were made when it came to that movie. We're so positive on it. <laughs> that's certainly one way to describe it <laughs> not an accurate one but one <laughs> all right folks thank you for listening to us um talk about life the universe and sexual assaults here on the crawdads review the where the crawdads sing review is brought to you by the protocol son jason teasley for robert winfrey i'm mark rattledge be be well uh, there we go be well be safe and behave